Hello and welcome to episode 73 of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and today we'll be reflecting on the departure of a Liverpool legend in Sadio Mane. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So, the news broke earlier today that Liverpool have agreed to sell Mane to Bayern Munich for an initial fee of £27.5 million which could climb to 35 if various add-ons are triggered. It's been widely reported that he's already agreed personal terms. So from that point of view, it looks like Mane's official exit will be imminent. Obviously, we spoke last week um, in quite a lot of depth about Darwin Nunez and his arrival was confirmed on Tuesday. So for plenty of, sort of analysis about him, you can have a look at last week's episode. But we thought... That Marnie kind of deserved really an episode of his own. And to look back on his Liverpool career, I'm joined by Chloe Bloxham and by Chris Coughlin from BBC Radio Merseyside, uh, making, I think, what is his fourth appearance now on the podcast. So a bit of a recurring guest. But Chris, I guess we'll start with you and we'll get into Marnie's career and some of his highlights in quite a lot of depth. So there's no need to kind of delve into it too much here straight off the bat. But Mane is the first member of this iconic Liverpool front three that will forever really be iconic to actually leave the club. So what are your initial thoughts and reflections on that? Because you said um, just before we came on air, um, not to reveal like private information, but said that it was the most gutted <laughs> you've been since uh, Fernando Torres had left. Yeah. Uh, hi, David. Hi, Chloe. Thanks for having us on, guys. Um, yes, from, from a fan perspective, absolutely. Um, I think... Fernando Torres, when we were all younger, um, he was he was that first star player. I know we all grew up with Gerard, but in terms of the star player coming in from another club, uh, and when he left and, and, and went to Chelsea, of course, it was, it was tough to take, to say the least, for, for all of us as young Liverpool fans. But I think just what Sadio Mane has achieved at Liverpool is incredible. Um you know, he he deserves all the accolades that he gets. How many players in the game as well? Certainly within English football can say that they've won every single major trophy that it is possible to win at one club. You know, very, very few. Apart from the rest, of the, apart from a lot of this Liverpool squad, of course. But no, it, it, seriously, it's a, it's a day that you kind of never hope would come. Um, but Mane... Would appear he wants a new challenge, wants a fresh challenge. Um, of course, it's never easy seeing such uh, an iconic player for the club go. But yeah, it's now now the news is all broken, and I think you know you, you, we we say in life sometimes it's about you don't really appreciate something until it's not here anymore. And uh, I think anyone that didn't fully appreciate Sadio Mane will absolutely do so now. He's undoubtedly a Liverpool legend. 100%. Um, and Chloe, I feel like we've seen, you know, we've seen players that we had a lot of fondness for leave the club already, um, like Divock Origi, for example, Adam Milana. The closest to, to you know, someone of Sadio Mane's stature leaving was probably uh, Wijnaldum leaving last year. Obviously, he made a, a big contribution to our success as well. But Mane is, is really, you know, a level up from that. Isn't he? You know, I saw earlier that he tweeted. I think he just tweeted Mane's name and, and a heartbreak emoji, which kind of sums it up quite neatly because he is kind of a, an iconic player, isn't he? 
Yeah, I mean, it feels like the end of an era, even though we've still got Jürgen Klopp here. Um, he was the first big sign, and he was the one that um, exploded on his debut. I remember um, first game of the season, I don't think, I think it was away to Arsenal, and I was um, in some lodge somewhere on having a little spa day with people, and um, I stopped and just watched the football instead, and I saw his goal. He was incredible, and you kind of felt he's electric, and he's got something about him. Um, and since that day, he's kind of been the knock-on for absolutely everything. Another time, like just these these little games keep popping up into your head. I think um, Spurs at Anfield, and he scores two goals, and this is still in the same season, I think. Um, and I don't know whether we won the game. I don't even remember, but you just remember these moments and. Um, Sadio Mane is. It's. I, I don't think it's hit me that he's actually going. Uh, it didn't hit me when I, I think I keep going back to the part where he said before the Champions League, he was like, you know, it's something special. And I thought to myself, well, surely he's not going to say that about a club that he's leaving. Like, surely you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that. And then he has and he is leaving. So it is a case of, um, you are losing a massive Liverpool legend, and I didn't expect it, even when. There was rumours about him maybe going somewhere. I still didn't expect it. And now it's kind of true. And it's got to sink in that we're not going to see Sadio Mane in a Liverpool shirt ever again. Yeah, but I think the thing that would really hammer the home is if, you know, and I don't want to raise too disturbing a thought, but, you know, there's a possibility we could be playing Bayern at some stage next season. You know, the thoughts of, of coming up against Mane. I think that's almost a good gauge, really, of how significant a player it is to a club and the fan base. You know, just think about the possibility of, of facing Jürgen Klopp managing another team in the future. You know, that's really unsettling. And this is almost along similar lines. But, you know, Chloe, you sort of allude to the early days there, I suppose. And that's really where, where we'll start with it. So, Chris, when people think about Mane signing, a lot of the time they kind of refer back to these tweets that were sent in, in sort of 2016 when he signed. And a lot of people externally sort of saying, you know, writing them off. Um, but to be fair, there were a lot of Liverpool fans doing that as well um, and questioning the piece of business that Liverpool did. Obviously, later coming to look pretty stupid. But do you remember what you thought at that time? You know, how sort of pleased were you with that sign? And, and did you have some concerns about it? I think... <laughs> Looking back, I was thinking about this earlier and I, I will totally and utterly hold my hands up where I saw the fee. Yes, I liked Mane from what he'd done at Southampton, but I did, I did see the fee and I did raise my eyebrows and I will hold my hands up to that because I, I'd, I'd be lying if I said, oh, he's going to come in, he's going to win the Champions League, he's going to win the Premier League. I would, I would be. Uh, I would be lying. Um but I'm very, very happy to have been proved wrong. Um, you know, he came in and it kind of confused me just in terms of, because he, he, I think he'd been playing more centrally for Southampton. Uh, certainly that's where he'd got his goals towards the latter stages of his spell at, at St Mary's. And he came in and as Chloe had referred to, that, that game against Arsenal, he was sensational on the right-hand side. And Again, I know we're talking about the the, the the early stages of Mane here, but if you look a bit, you know, if I'm just to summarise him as a whole, he, he has performed exceptionally 
on the right wing at striker, on the left wing and as a false nine. And again, it just, you know, you, you almost repeating the words, but it, it's it's so difficult to think of new words just for someone of Sadio Mane's quality in just so many positions. But yeah, when he broke into that team again, yeah, we, he scored that goal from the right against uh, against Arsenal the season after. I remember him scoring another brilliant goal against Arsenal, cutting it from the left-hand side. And he was the first major signing of the Jurgen Klopp. Um, because I was thinking earlier to my mates, it, it, it's funny to call Firmino Brendan Rodgers signing almost because they're, they're a Jurgen Klopp front three, but obviously Firmino joined uh, before Klopp came in. Um, Mane's contribution in that first season was ridiculous. And that spell that he went to AFCON and the team just looked like they were unre- unrecognisable. And then he comes back in, as Chloe referred to again, the 2-0 winning against Tottenham. He scored both of those goals. And it was all, all, all sort of uh, feeling everything's all right again now. And Mane's initial contribution, his contribution over the whole Liverpool spell, of course, it, it's incredible. His contribution straight away in getting Liverpool qualified for the Champions League should be considered one of his main achievements as well because that was such a huge, huge thing for everything that followed for the whole squad and the whole club. Yeah, I think you're raising a especially good point there about the, you know, the level of sort of versatility he's shown and thriving in so many different positions. And, you know, to, to bring it back to sort of the initial reaction and that kind of the first season that followed, I remember I, I certainly was very sceptical about it. To be At honest. least I'm not alone. Yeah, well, I'll seeing as we're kind of admitting it, you know, I'll be truthful as well. I thought that it was going to be another kind of typical Liverpool transfer mistake of that era, and it felt to me kind of similar to the Benteke deal that we'd done. Yeah, I think a year before for a similar price tag, and the reason is it felt like he was just a player who was kind of a handful for big teams. Um, you know, obviously with, with Benteke, that was to do with it, kind of his sort of aerial presence and things like that. With Mane, it was more to do with kind of his his speed and and his power, and it just felt like he was a bit of a one dimensional footballer in that way. So I thought it was going to be another one of them, a Liverpool not learning from it. And kind of when I was at that at that stage as a Liverpool fan, I was like, we need to be buying more established footballers and stop taking risks on players from from kind of the mid table. And I think it was kind of justified though. Because you look at what happened since then and it's like, oh, you do feel a bit stupid and, and you should have shown more faith maybe. But if you actually look at that 15-16 season, and I was looking at this for an article I did the other day, Mane actually went about five months without scoring a goal that season. He ended up, yeah. he ended up with sort of 10-11 goals, which is obviously you know decent for a Southampton player. But it kind of added to the perception that he was a really like streaky footballer. Um, and he was just kind of delivering kind of bursts and then go quiet for ages. And that but, was adding, yeah. adding to the doubts too. Was there something you wanted to say on that, Chris? Yeah, no. I was gonna, so did that include, was it a hat-trick against City, um, the brace against Liverpool as well, you know, in the 3-2 when, when Liverpool went to and looked at St Mary's. Um, i trying to remember when the the Aston Villa hat-trick was as well, but you know, we, yeah. he scored a few goals at the end of that season kind of in one, in one burst, didn't he? So I, I don't think you're absolutely, I don't think you're unfounded in that. Um, that opinion because a lot of players at mid-table clubs you do question you know can they make that step up and you know in hindsight it's a wonderful thing but of course he's done it but I don't think 
I don't think it was bad to have that opinion. Absolutely. And I think the Villa the Villa hat trick was either the end of fourteen fifteen or the end of fifteen sixteen. I think I remember. No, it's really bad. We don't know that. <laughs> yeah, I think it was when um, Tim Sherwood was the manager. Um, tell you what, I'll yeah. just look. It, I'll just look it up now because yeah. that's the kind of defining image. I remember just Tim Sherwood. I'm, move, I'm moving of. towards twenty fourteen fifteen because the twenty fifteen sixteen Villa got relegated, didn't they? Sadio Mane hat trick six twenty fifteen. It was yeah six yeah. years ago twenty twenty one. So wow. I actually typed Sadio Mane heartbreak into Google there. That's how, <laughs> <laughs> that's how raw the feelings are at the moment instead of Hattrick. But yeah, the one thing I wanted to mention actually about the gold drought, and I'll bring you in in a second, Chloe, was just a kind of a funny detail about it. It started after he scored in a 1-1 draw at Anfield, um, which I think was a really late goal um, in one of Klopp's first games. And it actually ended when they came back to beat us 3-2 after we went 2-0 up. So it was one of them almost, and we, we kind of see it now, where we're buying players almost off the back of them kind of tearing us apart a little bit. Um, but he wasn't necessarily delivering in other games. But yeah, Chloe, same question to you, really. What did you think at the time? And also, kind of recollection to that first season, because Chris made a really important point as well about how much we missed him at AFCON. I think we won one game out of 10, so he was clearly a huge player for us straight straight off the bat. Um, well, when we first were linked with him, I was excited. Um, I'd, I'd, maybe, unlike everyone else, he was older than me. I, I, for me, I just saw excitement in it. He'd been in the Premier League, so that I knew, you know, OK, well, he can play at this level. You're under Jürgen Klopp, he's going to make you better. Um, and it was all, also a case of um, we were finding our identity still. We knew that we were all about intense periods, Um lots of energy in the game and I just thought he could be a really good player for us. I didn't think by any stretch of the imagination he'd do what he did for us, but I definitely thought he was a player who could come in and um, do a job for us and, and actually, you know, be kind of a star. And I remember we still had Coutinho in that and in the first season, you just kind of stunned. Like, you, you mentioned the, the five-month goals out there and yet I still remember that season so fondly with, with Sadio Mane because he just, he kind of hypnotised you. It was something that you hadn't seen at Liverpool for several years. You know, we'd um, had not so many good years and then Jürgen Klopp came in. This was the first real signing of his era and he gave you something that just every time you got the ball, you thought, OK, he's going to do something here. OK, he's going to go down the line. He's going to cause trouble. Every time he got the ball, you felt he'd do something. And I think what we also forget is these the the best players, and we can use Salah as well. After you know his first season at Liverpool, um, these players get doubled up on. These players get extra cover on them, and they then probably don't end up shining as much as uh, you know they should. But it's a case of what they do is actually opening up positions and areas on the pitch for everyone else to move into and use the space and. I think Sadio Mane gave you that. People were so scared of him, um, so scared of his pace, giving you a yard and everything that it actually created space all over the pitch. He'd get doubled up and there was someone always free. Um, and it, it, you know, that first season, you just felt like after it, let's go again. We want to see him again. Um, and obviously, over time, the better players you get around him, the better he's going to do, of course, because. That's all about what what it's like, you know, 
we talk about Erlen Haaland, he's already unbelievable. What he's doing in the Bundesliga was brilliant. But now he's going into a team that'll pretty much put it on pinpoint accuracy every single time for him. It was kind of like that with Manny. The more people you get around him who can support him, who is at his level, the more chances he's going to have and the more danger we're going to we're going to be. I think you bang on there, actually, because it felt like in the early stages he was kind of elevating the team, dragging the team to that level. He actually missed quite a lot of football that season for Liverpool in the Premier League, certainly more so than he's missed kind of ever since because he's kind of been bulletproof with injuries. But obviously there was the AFCON absence and then... I think he got injured against Everton in kind of mid-April. He got like a ligament injury and he was out then till for the end of the season. But he still scored 13 goals, which I think was the, the joint highest for us that season and played a, a crucial role in, in getting us back into the top four. Um, and obviously the season after we, we reached the Champions League final. So this is why everyone's talking about Mane being kind of almost the, the launch pad um, for everything that followed. And I think... The word that you use, Chloe Electric, is um is bang on because in terms of someone up that kind of early Sadio Mane, who was literally just impossible to handle. Yeah, I think the, the other thing with, with Mane there though was um that injury that you mentioned there, I remember the sheer dread I felt as soon as that, that injury occurred. I remember um it being at Anfield against Everton and I think I think it was at Anfield anyway and that is how you know how significant he was. Um, the injury, like, you just dreaded it. You didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know. He was just star man. Even though you had Coutinho, he then moved on to Barca. He was raved about. At that time when Mane got injured, you seriously worried for the Liverpool squad. And it's like you said, he raised us to a different level. He gave us something that other teams weren't really... Um, used to. It was a different style for Liverpool at the time. It was a different kind of player. Um, you know, we had the cute little players, Firmino, Coutinho. Um, you know, we, we had a decent group of players, but there was no one like Sadio Mane. I think he kind of made Liverpool a lot scarier. So I definitely agree with you from that point of view. And like, you know, recalling that injury as well, he we'd obviously had this run that I mentioned during his time at AFCON, where we really fell off. I think we were pretty much in and around the title race, to be, to be fair, that season, until he went to AFCON. And then we end up kind of going on this disaster run. We recover again in, in the spring, leading up to that game in April. I'm pretty sure it was in April anyway. And then after that, you're like, oh, God, are we now going to kind of blow this top four? Because we've lost out on someone now who's, who's so significant for us. But, Chris, what did you want to say on that? Yeah, just, just going back to that Everton injury as well, totally what Chloe said. I remember seeing it and think because there were a few games to go and he just was that crucial. And then all of a sudden the AFCON memories just keep coming back and it's like, oh no, you know, how how big an effort is this going to be for the top four? Because Arsenal had just got into that spell where they themselves had reached this this period of being unstoppable towards the end of the season as he did. Um, under Arsene Wenger at times um, to, to charge towards the top four. And that was a big achievement in itself for that Liverpool team to prevent Arsenal from finishing in the top four for the first time in you know, 20 years or so, wasn't it? So that just kind of showed Mane's achievement himself. And I remember in that run-in, of course, I know he didn't play in that Stoke game, but then you know, that, that, that's the kind of level that Liverpool had to dig to to 
get themselves out of the hole where Mane wasn't playing. So again, just totally emphasises his impact throughout that first season. Yeah, I remember being in Anfield for that one. Um, and I think I saw them kind of walking off and I was like, oh, hopefully it's going to be all right. But it's yeah. one of them where it's like walking off doesn't actually necessarily mean what you think it does. I think obviously Van Dijk is the example for that. He, he, he walked off when he got injured against Everton. We know how long he was out for, but things obviously changed after that um, because in 2017, the summer, uh, Mo Salah comes in and he sends records absolutely flying in his first season. He scores 44 goals, sets the prime record and really becomes the new sort of superstar. And after this kind of spectacular start that he'd had, I think, you know, the goal scoring does pick up, but it does feel like it's not the same, to use the word Chloe did, electric Mane. Just just in that spell, when it feels like he might sort of have fallen into Mohamed Salah's shadow a little bit. Chloe, would you agree with that? No, not really, because for me... Anyone you come up against Salah in that season, you're going to get overshadowed. Every single player. It was incredible. He based, no one could have expected what Mo Salah did that season. It was just that simple. We brought him in and we thought, that's a decent signing, yeah. You know, a bit like Mane. Got the pace, got the, you know, winger. He didn't do it for Chelsea, but he's been fairly decent for him. Let's see what he can do. Not a single person could ever predict what he did that season. He was unbelievable. Um, and I think Mane was another asset that all of us have overlooked in that season, probably. And I think you can say fairly, fairly so, because Salah broke a, a goal record in the Premier League that hasn't been broke since when, like Alan Shearer or something. You know, like it's It was unbelievable what he did. Harry Kane, that everyone goes on about, he is an actual striker. And he hasn't broken that goal record yet. A winger came in and did so. Um, so, Manny was still electric. He was still unbelievable. It was just, people had seen what Manny had done. They could maybe adapt to what it was. And then you had Salah on the other wing and everyone thought, uh-oh, we don't know what this is. We, we don't know how to deal with that. And like I mentioned earlier, people had seen uh, a season of Manny and he thought, right, we need to give him a yard or we need to double up here. That leaves more space on the other side of the pitch for Mo Salah. Um, and it's in recent years, you've now seen people double up on Mo Salah and it leaves another part of the pitch open. It's what happens. I don't think saying... I'd, see, the, we're not talking about the role that Manny did, does without scoring, like... His work ethic is unbelievable. His pressing, one of the best pressers I've ever seen in football. Um, and all of this has to work for one player to be outstanding like Mo Salah was. And it wasn't just down to Mo Salah. It was down to the people, um, you know, Firmino and Mane up top in that position, the people behind him, people who was giving him the balls. Um and I, I just think Salah was incredible that season and he eclipses everyone in that season because it's hard for, for him to not eclipse anyone with what, what he did. Um, so I don't think it was a case of Manny was crap. I think it was a case of we've got another superstar on our hands, one that no one knows how to deal with because they've not even seen him in the Premier League. You know, everyone thought he was crap when he played for Chelsea. He didn't really know what to expect with Manny. He kind of did now. And... It was a case of finding the balance and eventually, you know, 
they're now on a part where they're both as influential as each other. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was going to be almost impossible to, to live up to those standards and anyone, like you say, who's compared against them is going to look like they've, they've fallen short when they haven't really. And I mean, I guess I look at it and I say, you know, in that season, he scored, he only scored 10 um, Premier League goals in, in 29 appearances. So, um, you know, that Liverpool side as well, that sort of 17, 18 was, pro- you know, probably the most spectacular Liverpool team in terms of being kind of free scoring. Um, and just feeling like they could bag, you know, four or five every single game. And it is also very true what you say about his all-round contribution. Obviously, those numbers don't really reflect that, and that's always something that's been a strength of his. Um, but, but Chris, where do you kind of stand on this? Because my kind of recollection of it is that people, you know, obviously he's still putting up good numbers. He scores 20 goals all comps that season. But it felt to me, and I think there were people saying this at the time, like, you just expected maybe a, a little bit more from Mane in terms of just kicking on from that first season where, where he'd been so you know important for us. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Of course, that, that was when he moved over to the left as well, wasn't it, to accommodate Salah on the right. Um, the point Chloe made about the pressing, that's actually key to, to, to a point I'll make uh, later on. But just during that period then when, when you were talking, I had a chance to, to think about some moments from Mane that season. Do you remember Stoke? away. Um, it was a midweek, November or December. Uh, it was freezing cold, I'll tell you that much. Um, and Mane was on a, a pretty poor run at the time. And he got played in, he dinked Lee Grant in goal. And Firmino could have easily tapped it in, but he let it roll in for Mane's, for it to be Mane's goal. And I think that was key in that other players around him recognised that he wasn't going through the best spell, but just what a moment like that can do. And then I remember after that great goal against uh, Spartak, well, a, a great brace, to be honest with you, against Spartak in the Champions League, um, in the 4-3 win over Man City, when he, again, was in a bit of a, a, a barren spell and he, he missed a great chance to make it 3-1 just after, to, just after Firmino had scored that brilliant chip. Um, and then about two minutes later, or less than two minutes later, Salah gives him it left foot, whacks it into the top corner, four, three, one. And that just tells you about his determination. Very rarely did I, did I very rarely do I, did I ever see Sadio Mane get phased by anything if he missed a few chances. And there were some games where he couldn't hit a barn door. Even Leeds this season, he scored last minute, but I think he could have had four or five uh, in that game. But then... There was a bit of a renewed Mane. I totally get where Chloe's coming from, but I do think there was a bit of a renewed Mane from the new year onwards. Um, Brace against Roma uh, in the first leg and then a crucial goal in the away leg as well. Um, And he did play a a big part, even when he wasn't scoring. Of course, then then it's off the ball as well. It's what he's he's doing with that. And I can't recall a time when I saw Sadio Mane's head go down in that season, even when he was going through the lean spells. And that, again, is a major asset because one of the big things about Mane is that he's very rarely been, he's very rarely kicked off or caused a fuss, has he? But that was um, really key from him that season in terms of keeping his head up and still making key contributions, even when it was looking a bit more lean for him. Yeah, and I think that was something that Carragher touched on because he, he put a tweet up a couple of hours ago, said that Mane was very low maintenance and I did always feel like that. 
And yeah, with this kind Absolutely. of narrative that I've, that I've kind of put forward, you know, there are there is certainly another way of kind of reading it. You know, you mentioned some of the big goals he scores. He gets in the Champions League, he's huge, you know. Um, Roma game, like you mentioned, scores in the final. Hatcher against Porto in the last 16 and a goal in that um, memorable game against Man City as well. So there are still plenty of big moments, but I guess one thing that you touched on there, Chris, which makes me feel like he wasn't at, you know, his absolute best or his absolute maximum potential that particular period was this, you know, idea about his finishing because he did feel like he was a bit kind of unreliable to me in front of goal and that if you kind of give him two huge chances or three huge chances, he, he kind of scores one out of two or one out of three. But again, that that might just be kind of a harsh viewing of it. Um, what do you think, Chloe? Well, I, I was just thinking that we're talking about a player that was brought in, um, and he obviously gets off to this wonderful start against Arsenal with with his goal, and then we all say kick on in in the second season. But you just mentioned a five month goal drought. What did everyone did everyone expect him to be on a level of like Mo Salah or close to that or? Wait, what did people think by kicking on from that? Because we're talking about a player who he's had a fairly decent season for Liverpool. He's looked good. He's obviously got an injury for the the end towards the end of the season, and then there's a big signing in Mo Salah, which does what he does. You you can kind of understand if Manny felt a bit like, have I missed my moment or something here? Like, you know, people were raving about him. Some people were like, mm, he's a bit hot and cold. Um, so I, I I don't think I expected as much of what people probably expected in that season. I just thought he's another asset. This is part of the journey. I'm not expecting him to be a one-man team. I'm not expecting him to do outrageous. But you know, it, I need like I expect him to um, dig in and him to maybe win us a game here and there, but to also just help the team out. It was it was never a case of. He'd only been there a season, so it wasn't like I expected loads from from Sadio Mane in that second season. I just expected a little bit better um, than what he what he had the the previous season. But then you take into the stats of Mo Salah. Sometimes it's all right for you to not be as good if the players around you are doing even better. And this is what we talk about with our front three now: is that it's all right when one of them are off because you you pretty much Better, like betting on the others to score, but the problem is if all three of them are having an off day or something, you need somewhere from the midfield to join in. With Mane, you knew that if he was having a slightly off day, it's all right because you had Firmino and you had Salah on fire. Um, and I, I just I I remember a lot of really good things from being inside the stadium. That might be what it was. I just adored watching him that season inside the stadium, and yeah, the stats aren't as as unbelievable as maybe what you'd think. Sadio Mane had put up, but I remember watching him and I fell in love with his work rate. I fell in love the fact that he just looked so happy for everyone else as well at the time. Um, he was a massive team player, and I think that's probably why when we talk about personal things in that season, um, I don't really care for personal accolades as much because I I support Liverpool Football Club. I support you when you play the for the badge, of course. And I want you to do well for Liverpool so we can do well. And he was a vital part of Liverpool doing well in every single season. Um, and it, it just, it for me, he set the pace in every game. I think like the way to, to, to sum it up then is like, 
he he does still improve and, and on paper it does it does look good still. Like you've got goes from thirteen to twenty goals, scores some big goals as well, like we mentioned, and, and is offering more than than just kind of those headline moments. Um like like you alluded to there, Chloe. But you know, maybe as well there is kind of room for improvement and we see really that improvement in twenty nineteen, really that, that whole calendar year. Um and I'll, I'll come back to you, Chris, because this really was probably peak Sadio Mane, wasn't it? Like he was probably Liverpool's best player at, at this time. Yeah, that that period, as you say, back end of eighteen nineteen and then the the start of, of twenty nineteen twenty. Um I'll say it now because I know I know we're gonna talk about our favourite memories of Mane, but one of my favourite memories is a game when he didn't score or assist. Um because his performance against Barcelona at Anfield, considering he was the senior member of that front three with both Mo Salah and Robbie Firmino out. Oh, incredible. Absolutely incredible. The way he absolutely put the fear of God into Barcelona that night. Um It'll, it'll, live, it'll live with me forever, that, um, because he was entrusted. Um, and that, that was, there were many mature moments from Sadio Mane, but that was one of the most mature moments where he knew, look, I'm the main man in this front three. It's up to me to almost shoulder the burden of the other two. But in, in his performance, he allowed others to shine as well. Um, and that, that night, he was just incredible. Um, and for that year as a whole, it was quite funny because... In the start of 2019-20, the, the Premier League winning season, I remember Salah was really, really good at Anfield. A little bit less so away, certainly in the goal-scoring stakes. And it was Mane who was doing the goal-scoring away from home. Um, and the, the most iconic of that has to be Aston Villa for me. Um, I remember um, I remember being at home, uh, listening on the radio, and had, so- had Soccer Saturday on at the same time. And one of the reasons why that is one of Mane's most iconic moments in Liverpool shirt, because because of the way the last season happened, where City uh, got to 98 points and Liverpool missing out on the title with 97, you, you felt every single draw in the 2019-20 season would almost caused panic, <laughs> almost caused like, oh, City are going to catch, etc. Um, and that same afternoon, City came from behind very late on to beat Southampton. And they'd already gone, I think they might have gone 2-1 up by the time Robertson scored the equaliser. And I remember not even flinching when Robertson scored the equaliser because I was thinking, you know, it has to be a win. It has to be a win. City, it, it, it was City at Anfield next week, which Mane also obviously scored a brilliant, brilliant header in. Um, and I was thinking, it's not good enough. It, need, you know, it was 87th minute. This needs to be three points. And then the quality of his header against Aston Villa, the bravery of his header against Aston Villa, because he was about to get his head kicked off. And it's a beautiful glancing header into the far corner. And for all the fans that were there that day, that must have been some of the best limbs, even in this brilliant era for Liverpool Football Club. And Mane was just such a spearhead throughout 2019. And he was... Absolutely incredible throughout that period. You're, you're very right to say, and I do think that was that was the part when he played his best football for Liverpool. Yeah, and and that Villa goal kind of epitomised that that whole period of, of Mane being the just one. Just go on YouTube sometimes, just when you go off the news, just watch it back. Oh, exactly, exactly. It's it's one of them because it's like it was just so crazy out how those last few minutes panned out in that particular game, and it, it felt like he was. 
I mean, I'm not sure how much the stats actually bear this out, but he felt like he was like the main kind of clutch player for us yeah. in that period. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mentioned Mane being kind of the best player. You know, I, I should also say that that was probably peak Van Dyke as well. You know, Van Dyke was scarily good in that period, obviously, in, in, in a different facet of the game. But, Chloe, I saw a tweet earlier, um, which I think kind of sums this up in terms of kind of trying to capture Mane's legacy. And um, the tweet was, Mane was the best player the season Liverpool won the league. And obviously Liverpool had won the league for 30 years. And that might be the single most kind of valuable contribution if, if you had to kind of like narrow it down like that. Yeah, I think that season, um, he was just something else. It was like, he he wanted to win it for Liverpool. It was like, he knew the desire of the city. And when you come into a club like Liverpool, I don't think you realise how big it is. I don't think you realise how loved you will be. And I don't think you realise the pressure that is on you. Um, and we hadn't won it in 30 years. We kind of came close. We'd lost out by a point to City. You know, I think we'd uh, we'd obviously lost the Champions League the season before that. Um, and there was the kind of mentality of, We've just lost out by a point there in, in, in the in the league to City, but we've gone to the Champions League and we've won the Champions League. And it kind of felt like we can be there again next season. You know, we we can challenge against this unbelievable City side. And I think Mane, after seeing what it was like to lift the Champions League, which I will always rate higher than the Premier League. That's just how it is. For me, that is the biggest trophy in football. Um but I think he, when he saw, you know, the parade, what it was like, when he felt it, and he got the bug of feeling what it meant to this city, I think he then wanted the desire to bring back a, a Premier League title, which we hadn't seen more than anyone else. And it still upsets me that he'll never get to have that moment, um, because he won't win the Premier League for us now. He's leaving, so um, it upsets me that he he won't be able to do that. But he won it on the pitch for us. Uh, he's uh, arguably gave me some of my best days. The the best moments of my life are when I've watched Liverpool Football Club, and he's been a, a massive part of that. Um, and it it is it it is like emotional as a football fan to see a player who I I just never thought he'd leave Liverpool. He was adored, and um, he adored us. And uh, that season, he was absolutely incredible, untouchable. Um, came up with some of the biggest moments. Um, so skillful, so flair. Um, but at the same time, he was so ruthless as well. Um, and getting him, getting to watch him in the flesh week in week out at Anfield is, you know, he is one of the greatest I've ever seen put on a red shirt. And um, I do believe he'll be one of the greatest still years to come. And you know, you mentioned about not being able to to win it in front of fans, and obviously that that is. That is a great change now that you mention it. But, you know, me personally, not sure how this would go down um, in Munich. But, you know, say if we were to win it next season, I'd happily fly him in, fly him in and have him on the coach, to be honest. I think, I think he is just kind of that level I'll, of I'll player. Yeah, I mean, the contribution he's made to just like building this team into what it is today, it, it, you you are right. He almost deserves that, that kind of celebratory moment. But, I guess to kind of bring it up, bring it up from then to now. We saw in 2021, obviously behind closed doors, um, Mane called that the the worst season of his career. Um, and then the first half of last season, 
he improved, but there was still, you know, questions there. There was a big goal drought leading up to um, the game before he went to AFCON. He scored against Chelsea um, just before he left. So it looked like his best days might be very much behind him. But do you think, Chris, with the this sort of transition to a centre-forward position that he's shown that he does actually still have a lot more to give at the top level? And does that make the fact that he is leaving, um, he's decided to pursue this new challenge, does that make it kind of a lot tougher to take? I think so. Um, he was a different animal when he went into the centre. Um, and again, it shows the impact of Luis Diaz that Klopp clearly thought, oh, I'm going to keep Marnie in this system, but I'm going to move him to the centre. And it paid instant dividends. It really did. Um, I literally just thought, um, if there's one team that are going to be celebrating this move a bit more than Bayern Munich, it's going to be Crystal Palace, isn't it? <laughs> with uh, with all the problems that Mane's caused them over the years. Was it nine, nine successive games in which he scored against them? In yeah, the I think it might be double fingers overall as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so they're obviously going to be very happy about that. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, ultimately he's going to Bayern Munich. And unless, you know, whether you guys have heard anything different, he's going to Bayern Munich to move into Lewandowski's position. Now, that itself brings major pressure. Uh, I know there's issues about Gnabry as well and you know, whether or not a striker comes in in terms of Gnabry leaves, Mane goes into Gnabry's position and, and someone will come in to replace Lewandowski. But if he is going to go into Lewandowski's position, you know, this is a man... Lewandowski was a man that thought he'd failed if he scored less than 30, 30 Bundesliga goals in a 30-game season. So... You know, it's uh, he's, he's got pressures on him, uh, Mane, by going to Bayern Munich. Um, but last season, you know, I did think he got a bit. I did think he got a lot of flack at times when he really didn't deserve it. Um, when you look at his figures as well, and I know we're kind of obsessing about figures a little bit, um, even with talk of like his pressing and his impact off the ball. But I still thought his figures were pretty good last season. I know you, know you could talk about, oh, but if it was for another club, it'd be considered an amazing season. Well, other clubs aren't Liverpool Football Club. Um, and I, I, did, I did think Mane's contribution, you can call it quietly efficient. But towards the end of the season, he just erupted. And he was absolutely unplayable in that central role. And you know, you know, him and Salah, they had such busy seasons as well. When you include AFCON, it was emotionally draining for him. Winning, winning Senegal's iconic trophy um, you know, coming off the back of as you say the worst season of his career and I think for a lot of players it was I, I always imagined rightly or wrongly I always kind of imagined I wonder what football would be like without fans I never want to learn I don't, I don't want to know about it ever again because I've learned and it's horrid and you can be, you know, just move on from that but yeah I did think Marnie got a lot of flack at times last season when he didn't necessarily deserve it Um and there was still a lot of games that he played very, very well in as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it was also, oh, it could have been an amazing end to say if he'd scored with, with that goal in Paris, but that is one of the best saves I've ever seen from Courtois. But ultimately, he's ended this Liverpool tenure with two more trophies, six in total, every trophy that you can win. And rightly or wrong, you know, yes, it could have been an iconic season, but it's still a double winning season. And I do think it's enough to consider Mane leaving on a high. Yeah, probably, yeah. And you you look at that, like, say that Leeds game that you mentioned earlier, 
I think he has ten shots in the game. So yeah. Till like the the last ten minutes yeah, or whatever. Minute. Um, and it's one of them where it's just like if you take a certain amount of shots, you just are gonna score eventually. You know, if you gave me ten shots in the Premier League game, I'm confident I could put one away. Put it that way. At least, so, at least, like, you've yeah. some credit. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you looked at it and. The first half of the season, the stats looked decent, but you still sense that it wasn't the Sadio Mane we team before. Then you get this positional change. And really, I think, you know, had we achieved what we wanted to in terms of the, winning one of the two big trophies, we'd be looking at him as, as kind of a hero within that because of how good he was. And, you know, output-wise, he was certainly kind of leading the way um, in terms of the attackers. You know, we saw Salah's output dropped off, for example. And, you know, you mentioned Bayern. Um, and from what I read as well, it's simply similar to to what you've what you've had. It's like he is the Lewandowski replacement. He's this marquee signing that they're making in response to their disappointment in the Champions League, because that's inevitably the barometer now for their seasons, because they just win the league every year effectively. So he is kind of the response to that. He is to almost save the fans. So they're placing a lot of kind of stock in him and a lot of faith in him. So clearly they believe that he's still got. Plenty more to give, but Chloe, do you think Mane is leaving Liverpool at his peak, or has his peak kind of already been and gone? Whilst you know he is still very good, clearly. Um, I think 2019 is probably his peak, but um, the, these players are the type of players that can do it consistently at a top level. Um, these are the best of the best, the world's greatest, and uh, Mane is that Mane will be a problem for anyone who he comes up against in the Champions League next season. That's just how it will be. Um, as you know, I, I hope he doesn't do well um, in the Champions League because that might have an impact on us. You know, um, I want Liverpool to win it, so I don't want Mane winning it with Bayern. But I think domestically, you know, he'll have a lovely time there. I, I, I like the way he says this new challenge and the Bundesliga is one of the leagues where you can pretty much predict every single year who's going to win it. Um, and pretty much you know that Bayern is going to be number one all the time. It's it's a, it's a league where, you know, the best take off from the second best. Um, talk about how many players have gone from Dortmund to, to Bayern Munich, Leipzig to Bayern Munich. And it's, it's very mental. Um, but that's the way it is over there. And I think Mane will... Even if he's not at his peak, he'll be an absolute brilliant player for them. Um, the role he established, I mean, at times he probably did get some criticism that wasn't um, wasn't needed or, you know, wasn't deserved. But I think when you play for this Liverpool side and you're up against that Manchester City side that you're up against, you know that every single player pretty much has to be on. And when Manny is as big as a player as he has been for us, um, when he's out of form and he's not really doing good, I'm re- relying on, on Salah, who obviously had a really good start to the season, but did fall off at one stage. Um, you had Firmino there, who had more injuries um, than ever before. And it was a case of you just, you're up against that good of a side in Manchester City. It is extremely stressful as a fan to not worry that if one of your players isn't on, then, you know, a simple dropping two points here or there against Brighton um, when you're 2-0 up or whatever, that can cost you the league instantly. And that's just what it's like in the Premier League right now against City. 
Um, so I think maybe he got a criticism for the fact of him not being on is just so stressful um, because we need every player at their peak and at their best to go up against this City side. Um, but as you say, Sadio Mane at the end of that season was possibly our best player. He was incredible. Um, and I am worried, I'm not going to lie, we're bringing in Darwin Nunes. I'm, I'm happy to see him, really excited. But you're getting rid of a guy that pretty much guarantees you 20 goals a season. He is a massive, massive player. Um, Luis Diaz, adore the man, but he is not yet at the level or he's not yet at the statistics that Mane is. And that's the, that's the, the worry. Um, I think Luis Diaz will be one of the, the best players. I think he's unbelievable. I think he's electric, just like Mane. But until he can give you 20 goals a season, you're still going to obviously miss that from um, from Mane. And maybe that's where Darwin Nunes comes in to cover for those goals. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it is a case of anyone who's, you know, buying at this point, who's getting him, um, obviously, are getting him for a very cheap deal, by the way. I, I looked at that price tag and thought, what's going on there? Uh, like, I feel like we've been diddled out of money there because he is still at the moment one of the greatest players in the world of football right now. Um, he'll set, you know, fear into absolutely any defensive player that there is. Um, and, you know, he's up against it. Well, he's he's coming into a team that's got world-class people all around him as well, which is, you know, just going to make him look even better. Um, so yeah, it's he's going to do well wherever he goes. And this links back really to to what Chris was saying earlier about maybe not appreciating him fully until he has gone. And we'll see, obviously, how he does at Bayern, how you know the replacements we've we've bought really in Diaz and Nunez do. Um, but Mane is someone like you say there, Chloe Virtual guarantee of twenty goals. He, he's hit that mark, and I think four of that out of the last five seasons for the players to be doing that in English football. I think, you know, that is no mean feat. And maybe we'll look back and think um, that the criticism that he did receive, because he has received, you know, his fair share of criticism in the past sort of two seasons. We'll look back and think maybe it was excessive. Who knows um, what, what the future has in store. Um, I wanted to move on to um, kind of some of our favourite memories, but was there something you wanted to kind of add to, to finish off on kind of that recap, Chloe? Um, just... There was a, a thing that I think influenced the season more than anything. I don't know why it was, um, but I got loads of it on my content. And it was, why don't you Liverpool fans appreciate Sadio Mane? I just appreciate Mo Salah. He's never sing a song. He's never do this. And it was a lot of the Senegalese fan base who basically, I think, defumed at us for not doing what they did for, for Mendy over at Chelsea where he came back. But he obviously faced against Salah and he, he asked to not have that because he knew Salah would have to be put through it as well. And I think our fan base actually got a lot of hate about not actually liking Mane as much as we, we like Salah, which just for me is not the case. If you were in Anfield every week, you'd hear his name sung. He is absolutely adored on the streets of Liverpool. You go down Liverpool and someone will be there with a Mane top on or, you know, Everyone will sing a song. There's the, the that that has not been a problem in years before. Just this season alone, I I saw loads of comments on like us basically not um loving Mane as much as we should, or not letting Mane have this parade for winning the Afcon or whatever it was. There was just a lot of 
um, comments on content about us basically disrespecting Manny for no reason. And I never understood them because if you were at Anfield every week, you'd understand. And maybe that's where the comment came from saying 60 to 70% of Senegalese people don't want me at Liverpool because I've not seen the amount of comments that I have in previous years as I have, I have this year on us not you know, supporting Manny for AFCON and all this and that. And maybe that was also down to a, a very clear joke by Jürgen Kropp being taken very seriously by by a reporter. Um, but I think that is actually a, another thing that we could maybe look at this season that we probably didn't highlight when it was happening. But um, this season, there's been a lot of comments by people saying that we just, we disrespected Manny from AFCON to not singing his name as loud as Salah. Um, and all these other things. Did they not see the video of the bloke on the bike? <laughs> yeah. Just on the way to Madrid. That's all you need. That's all you need to play in response. To that. Yeah, we've we've got to be careful. Really, like I think when we look back on this period, not just like now, but like in years to come, I think Liverpool fans will kind of um, sort of push for this, like you have there, Chloe. You know, we we can't make it seem like there was ever this kind of composition within within the team because it, it it wasn't really like that. You know, I think we did. You know, I remember periods of people saying Mo Salah isn't appreciated enough given the, the level he's playing at. But, like, so you can't have it. You can't say both players aren't appreciated enough and when you're comparing them to each other. It's just, like, I think the, a lot of the narratives weren't really founded, to be honest. I think no. Mane was a player that a lot of people loved. You know, I mentioned before, Carragher, as I always said, Mane's his favourite player and he's, like, the lead in sort of Liverpool presence um, in kind of the media. And I think, you know, it's probably just split down the middle in terms of who prefers Mane and Salah and, and for Liverpool fans, you know, I think we, I think, we have cherished them. I think you also look at Salah. Salah has more of a social media presence. He's followed more. He's more of a global superstar. Um, like Mbappe, if you signed Mbappe now, you know he's going to be a global um, like star for you to get attraction, for you to get money, for people buying tops and this and that. He's, he's his own brand. As a sense, and I think Salah's doing more of that than Mane is. I mean, you see Salah coming on like the Vodafone adverts and everything that's that's uh, he posts about. Mane's Mane's a very quiet person. He's never been that person that has put up anything other than New Balance shoes as an advert. Mane, Salah's doing loads of other things, and um, both of those players are adored, and I think a lot of media probably put them head to head because how dare we have two unbelievable superstars in one team? Surely they've got to hate each other. Surely the competition's getting too much or whatever. Um, but that actually at one point reflected on Liverpool fans this year, and I, I don't know why it did because we anyone who wears that badge, if you give a hundred percent, you're absolutely adored. Lucas Leiva is the main person for that. He wasn't liked in the first couple of years. But we learned that, OK, he might not be the superstar player, but he gives everything for the badge. We adore him. And I think Manny, you could never, even in his times where he struggled, you could never say that he, he didn't give 100% to, to the club or on the pitch. And um, he was just more stuck in his head at, at one point uh, last season, maybe the beginning of this season as well. Um, but once again, there's there's no need to put these players up against each other. They're absolutely adored. Um, and the reason we adore them is because they're wearing the red of Liverpool. Yeah, and I think really, you know, the only time we actually ever saw any evidence of any sort of, not even hostility, but any sort of tension was, was that game against Burnley 
um, where Salah didn't pass to him and Mane was kind of visibly quite angry with that. But from everything kind of we read um, about it, it was just kind of put to bed in the dressing room afterwards. And I think really they're, they're two players who increasingly in the past few years have actually worked together really well to, to bring success to Liverpool. But to look back now on some of our, I guess, favourite memories with Mane, we'll start with, with goals and then we'll move on to performances. Um, I'll go first. Um, on the goals front, and there's two. I don't want to just mention loads of them and kind of step on your toes, even though a few of them have come up already. Um, so there's kind of two I'm stuck between. Um, there's the Everton away game in 2016 December, um, the game that kind of spawned a chance at Anfield, and um, when he scored it in the last minute, and then there's the goal at um, at Wembley this season, at, where there's that really kind of nice um, exchange of passes on the edge of the box, and then he volleys it in. Um, obviously, that was a really memorable win against Man City as well. Really satisfying one as well. But to avoid being accused of recency bias, and I think the one that probably popped into my head first of all, if I'm being truthful when I thought about this, is the uh, the Merseyside derby one. So that would be uh, my vote. But what about you, Chris? Uh, that is a very good question because there's so there's so many I'm probably going to leave out here. Um, but the two you mentioned, absolutely. Um, the... The Mane is is volley uh, at Wembley is one of the best goals I've ever seen live. I think three about I think the three about best I've ever seen live. Salah against Man City, Mane then at Wembley against Man City, and then Salah and his second you know, his first against Roma. But uh, that, that that that's for another day. Um, I'm trying to think of one maybe a little bit out of you know out of the um, what, what what do you call it the uh, out of the ordinary. And I remember. Again, this wasn't a game Mane particularly played incredibly well in, but his header against Manchester City in the Champions League, because that half hour, that first half hour probably summed up when Sadio Mane, in terms, I know I've just said didn't play particularly well. I mean, the game as a whole, it wasn't something you remember every little thing he did. But that first half hour, when Liverpool were in their full flow, who but who could live with them? And it was just utter bombardment. And it was almost, when he heads that in, you're thinking, is this real? 3-0 up against Manchester City inside the first half of the Champions League quarterfinal. Is this actually happening? And it was at that point when you're really starting to acknowledge just how special this team is. And I'm sure after this this podcast, there's going to be about a thousand more... um, a thousand more uh, goals, or at least 119 more goals, that I could that I could name of uh, Sadio Mane. But you know, even at Aston Villa as well. Um, I think they're they're the two for, they're the two for me. Both headers as well, of course. Um, and there was one again. I'm going to throw one more out there if I can have one more. Even just something like the goal that he scored against Leicester when James Milner scored late penalty. Just the calmness of the man in that kind of scenario, break the deadlock. That was the calmness and composure of Sadio Mane. But if I had to choose, I'll go for that Aston Villa header because, oh my word, that was special. And I think you touched on it there with the headers. One thing we've not actually mentioned so far, Mane yeah. is a, a really balanced goal scorer. And, you know, he's yeah. only a small player, but he's got a brilliant leap on him. His ability to find space, he can score headers, he can score at both feet yeah. as well, which was obviously a real one, asset to Liverpool. Yeah, go on. His first against Cardiff. When Another left field one, to be fair. In, in the in the four one, just because he collected the ball edge of the box. 
how he kept hold of that ball, I have no idea. And then he's hit it with his left foot. Almost, it was almost out of pure anger that he hit it, and it absolutely rockets into the far corner of the copper net. Um, but yeah, as you say, such a variation of goals to think about for Sadio Mane. Yeah, and I think crucially, you talk about favourite goals as opposed to kind of the best goals. You know, you know, you can look at like objectively in terms of the level of skill that he used, or you know, the rockets, like like you've mentioned there, but you're thinking about ones that are actually kind of inspired in the most joy. Um, and I guess that the, the Man City one that you mentioned there and the Villa one um, are certainly up there from, from that point of view. But Chloe, I hope you haven't stepped on your toes too much because I think there is still quite a few um, iconic ones in there. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Nobody is. Um, I mean, I was going to choose, obviously, um, the Everton one, which is is, is unbelievable. The, the, the tapping from the post there at their ground in like the 96th minute. Um, but you've said that. So, I mean, the most obvious one for me, which I'm surprised hasn't been said, is the, the Bayern Munich one. The sheer skill, the calmness under pressure. The awareness oh. around them. Um, to yeah. realise that where Neuer is. Um, and I think that the game before that, I think Kimmich celebrates because he saw a ball out against them, doesn't he? And they go absolutely mental at Anfield. And then to, for them to go away... Um, so obviously by Munich Stadium and, and and do that. Um that was completely sensational. I've I've got to say that um we we lost, but what one of the I mean, I'll always remember Kiev. Um I remember like the, the greatest away I've ever been. Um and I remember when Manny's goal went in and, and celebrating with my brother in Kiev and it was kind of a belief around the stadium that we could actually get ourselves back into the game. We obviously knew what happened, which was no fault of Sadio Mane's after that. But um, I, that that was a goal that I can I can relive every every day because the the celebrations were incredible, um, and obviously um, Mane's Mane's header uh, against City you can choose either or. There was there was one in, in the league, and then obviously that Champions League one that you go on about. Um, but he's just had so many iconic moments. Um, I, I, I can already pick out my, my favourite performance already, but I'll wait until you get onto that question. Yeah, the the variety is crazy. And I remember that Kiev one. It's obviously, I guess it wouldn't really be in the conversation for the absolute favourite because, like you say, of the outcome that kind of overshadows it. But I was watching that game um, at a screen in Anfield, and it's probably the single goal I've celebrated most ever. Um, so it's kind of similar to you. So. I can certainly see where you're coming from on that one. And if we had gone on to win it, I think that potentially would have been a contender for me. But as you mentioned there, Chloe, we'll come on to some performances now. Um, I'll throw one out there. I'm going to go for the 2-0 win against Tottenham in 16-17, where he scored twice. I think, Chris, you mentioned it earlier. I think he scores twice in a really short space of time as well. Um, And the reason I've gone for that is because that, to me, Feels like of all the games I look at in the list, I look at it and say Sadio Mane actually won that game on his own because um, Liverpool were coming off the back of a really tricky period there. And that was that kind of Sadio Mane right at the start who was electric, like you said, Chloe, and who was kind of carrying Liverpool on his back. So of the ones I looked at, that one kind of stood out to me, actually, even though I think, you know, because it is quite early and it, it isn't at his absolute peak powers, that might be a bit of a surprising choice, but that's what that's what I'm going for. But Chris, what, what are you saying on that one? Well, yeah, because that was, again, 
just illustrate his initial impact in that first season as well. Um, it, really, it really can't be underestimated that. Um, I know I do keep getting drawn back to that Barcelona game, you know, because he was, and I've already said it was, uh, I've already nominated earlier on, didn't I? So I might as well stick with it. Just, he had, he had to be so responsible that day in terms of Firmino being out, uh, Salah being out. Um, yes, Origi and Shakiri did the damage uh, to a large extent by Naldum as well, but Mane had to lead the line and did so incredibly well. And even if you want to call it the assist to the assist, his pressurising, again, we go back to his pressurising and how good he was at that off the ball. He pressurised the mistake from Jordi Alba and that led to the breakthrough after seven minutes. And if Barcelona weren't panicking already, they sure were after that. And it just opened the game up massively. I thought his control, I thought his temperament, his ability to hold the ball up that day. With, even without scoring, it just epitomised how good Sadio Mane was for Liverpool in so many aspects. And it epitomised how good he was without scoring goals as well. And I think that, for me, it is... Um, it is one of his most iconic performances. It perhaps goes a bit under the radar, and I can understand why, because there'll be many performances that get remembered for his goal scoring. But Barcelona at Anfield, he was one of the main men that night. And so that's going to get my shout. I think it's great that you picked the game where he's not scored, actually, because <laughs> it does it, it does show, really, that there is a lot more to him than goals, and it probably is kind of an underappreciated uh, performance, actually. But... Chloe, you said you had uh, one in mind. Yeah, um, do you remember when uh, 2019 we come up against Everton at home and everyone had, before kickoff, everyone had lost their minds because Salah had been dropped. We had Adam Lallana playing, Shakiri, Divock um, There was just, there was a load of people dropped all over the place um, and everyone was losing their minds. And uh, in that game, I think Mane gets an unbelievable uh, assist uh, for Divock Origi, I think it is. I think he gets a brilliant assist for Shakiri, dead cute. Um, and then he goes and scores with his weak foot, and it's a brilliant um, it's a brilliant goal um, from just outside the box, I think it is. Um, but, yeah, he, need, he needs to generate all the energy himself. Yeah, he was leaning back and everything, and uh, th- that was a game where... Um, People, you know, they'd absolutely lost their minds that, you know, all of the superstars weren't playing. And yet, within like the space of 20 minutes, you didn't have to worry because Mane had already got, you know, a brace of assists. And it just shows that he could do absolutely anything. Um, I think he, he was playing on the, the left-hand side um, and that game, uh, the, the one for Shakir, the, the ball for um, Origi's goal is absolutely sublime. Like, if Kevin De Bruyne did that, we'd all be going, "Oh my word!" Um, that was his left foot as well. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it bent around two players as well. It was so inch perfect, and it took Pickford out the game. Um, and then the Shakiri one, it was just so like he, his vision for that was incredible. That like, absolutely no one got onto it. Um, and by the time like anyone had registered the pass, Shakiri had slotted it in anyway. Um, and obviously his goals, uh, an unbelievable breakaway goal, which we all know Manny for because of his pace, but the finish is absolutely incredible. 
Um, and that's just that's just one of, of his unbelievable games. Uh, and that was just a, a game that had absolutely everything. Um, and he was he very much had the the calmness when everyone else in that ground was looking at that team sheet and thinking, what the hell is going on here? I think that's a that's a great shout as well. Obviously, Klopp has had a few kind of bold team selections against Everton and, and Mane was the one who kind of stepped forward um, on that day. I think I remember that goal as well and thinking, I think we had like a really promising counter. I was like, why on earth is he taking the shots on from there? Um, and then, he, he, but it was just pinpoint accuracy uh, past the goalkeeper. Um, and I think there's a, a few goals like that of Mane's, which, you know, he just makes an incredibly difficult um, shot. Um, and he just, he just takes it um, emphatically. Just to finish, and there's only one more thing really to, to touch on. We all recognise Mane as a Liverpool legend, but I suppose there's, there's two parts to this. Where do you think he ranks among kind of the modern greats of Liverpool football clubs? So certainly kind of in your lifetimes. And I'm not asking for kind of like obviously a hard number because that's just a, a ridiculous question, but just kind of roughly where you place him and what kind of brackets. And also... Um, in the Premier League as well, because it's unlikely now, obviously, that we'll see Mane um, play in, in England or in the English top flight anymore. So what what's kind of his legacy from that standpoint? Chris, I'll come to you first. Firstly, in terms of the first question, um, without a shadow of a doubt, he's in my lifetime Liverpool 11. Um, the, the front, well, I think the, the main the main thing would be who goes uh, in the central role. I was about to say the front three, but uh, I think Firmino would have a, have a battle with Torres and Suarez. But um, I think yeah, he, he absolutely goes in um, on, on that left-wing spot in terms of my uh, my my lifetime Liverpool 11. Um, in terms of Premier League, I think if, if Liverpool had won the Premier League this season and he'd become a dual Premier League winner, I think you could put him right up there. Um, if that makes sense, and that's not to do him any disservice at all. It's just you know we you know, there is a level, and then obviously winning multiple Premier Leagues can move you up that level as well. But even his achievements in, you know, I say just one title. Chloe touched on it earlier. How much this city, how much Liverpool Football Club have craved for that title for our entire lifetimes, at the very least. Um, it, it, it goes without saying he, you know, he, he is obviously a Liverpool Premier League great. He is all-round Premier League great for me. Um, and you know, for many reasons, of course, you, know, you look at even African football and how much he's done for, for the profile of African football as well. Um, Southampton fans, they'll have great memories of him. You know, how well, um, quickest ever Premier League hat-trick. You know, <laughs> anyone, if anyone beats that, they have done very, very well to take that title off Sadio Mane. So, for a number of reasons, he is absolutely up there in terms of Premier League greats. And again, you class him as a forward because he was brilliant anywhere he played in the Premier League. So, right up there for both my lifetime and the Premier League in general. I think putting him in, in an 11 is a really good way of doing it. And like this thing about, you know, when you judge a player's greatness in kind of league terms, I obviously understand the merits of judging it by the amount of sort of titles he actually won. And Mane has only won one. But context is important in this, and sometimes yeah, it gets lost. Definitely. Like none of these players, say these United players, for example, they were never competing with a team like Man City over a sustained period. Um, 
And I think no, that we have to no. we have to recognise that. And that is obviously the main reason why Mane has only won one. You know, you put Mane, this Liverpool team in a different era, they they win a lot more, an awful lot more potentially. Yeah. Um in terms of where I'd place them, I think certainly within that eleven, um, one of the best players I've ever seen play for Liverpool, probably in the top, probably in the top five players that I've seen play for Liverpool, I'd say. Certainly top five or six. Um and Premier League great twice, you know, I was looking at um sort of the goals tables um, before we came on. And you actually look at it and say, just looking at players who played out wide, really, um, you got Terry Henry, who kind of is a kind of a left wing slash striker. And then, so whether you'd really count him as a winger, I'm not sure. And then you've got Mo Salah and then Sadio Mane. So Sadio Mane is effectively like third, um, second or third, when, when you're talking about wingers in Premier League history. So I think he is, he's got a case to be um, the best um, left winger. Um, and certainly, if not the best, um, one of the top two or three. And yeah, he's someone I think who will be, you know, they have this Premier League Hall of Fame now. And I'd like to think that he'd very much uh, be someone who'd get kind of inducted into it um, when he's retired. But Chloe, um, where do you kind of place in, in those rankings? Um, one of the greatest I'll ever watch. It's just that simple. He'll be one of the greatest players I will ever have the joy of being able to watch in the flesh. Um, one of the greatest to ever put on a red shirt and um, just just from sheer excitement of, uh, as soon as you know that ball's going to him, um, just the excitement and anticipation of what he's going to do. Um, he's so instinctual, um, especially, obviously, in, in the days of when he won us that um, Premier League title. Um, you just when he got the ball, it was like you already knew what he wanted to do with it. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's for sure um, one of the greatest I've ever seen. He'll be one of the greatest I'll ever see. Um, I, I don't think you'll you'll find a player like Sadio Mane um, with how like humble he is, his desire, the press. He just had everything. And I know we say he has everything of what a, a Klopp would want in a player, but um, he he just is his humbleness as well of being that extremely good and still never acting as if he was bigger than the football club. Um, so yeah, he's he's one of the greatest in the Premier League as well. Um, I mean we're talking about years and years there, but um, for excitement, I mean loads of people talk about Son near the same bracket of how exciting he is. Well, Manny's won stuff. Um, he's proved himself. He's been consistent over several seasons, um, and he's he's gone up against the side in City that no one really can can match. Um, you can't match with money. You can't match with the the fact that you know money to them is not really a problem. Um, we've we've brought in a Sadio Mane who at one stage was kind of this progress, um, you know, foundation build of Liverpool Football Club. And he's ended up winning absolutely everything along the way. So, uh, yeah, one of, one of the greatest. And I think maybe that the character element is, is something we've not touched on enough in terms of the humility that he has, the charity work he's done. I think there was kind of this um, thing going around um, a couple of years ago of him walking around with like a cracked a cracked phone because he was never really like low maintenance again. He was never really kind of interested in kind of the almost the flashy side to put it in kind of a crude way of being kind of a superstar and he's someone in that respect who I think epitomised like um, 
some of the values of the club in the city and maybe that's why a lot of people felt um, that connection to him but that is going to wrap us up thanks very much um, to Chloe and Chris um, I enjoyed that it felt like a bit of therapy to be honest in a, in a way um, given the uh, the sadness of losing a player of Mane's stature I'll put um, all our Twitter links in the episode description obviously Chris's as well so you can give him a follow on there and yeah if you enjoyed the podcast um, please give it a five star rating on Spotify or any other podcast platforms you might use and please recommend it to any of your mates as well. So yeah, we'll be back next week and um, when Marnie's departure will probably have officially been confirmed. Um, so we'll see you then.